Do you want your children to become doers of God's Word rather than just hearers? Do you want to teach your children how God's Word is applicable in everyday life, but struggle to find ways to do that? Do you find that no matter how many Bible verses you have on your Facebook wall, you still find yourself yelling, I am done with you people! No, just me. Okay. Well, we're so glad anyway that you're here joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for updates so you'll always know about new podcast episodes. You'll also receive a free gift from Ginger when you sign up. Before we get started on today's episode, here is a quick word from our sponsor. I read something online recently that really pricked my heart. It said, the church should handle adoption and caring for the fatherless like we handle the Great Commission. While not everyone is called to adopt, everyone does play a role in caring for the fatherless. Friends, this is why Ginger and I are thrilled to share more about our sponsor, Lifeline Children's Services. Lifeline believes that adoption is one way that God provides families for vulnerable children who need to know the love of Christ and the love of a family. They walk with foster and adoptive families and provide them with parent coaching, educational services, and professional counseling so they can better nurture and disciple their children. Whether you're a foster or adoptive family who could use support services, or if, like my family, you want to support those who have opened their homes to these precious children, you can find out more at lifelinechild.org. Again, that's lifelinechild.org. Lifeline brings gospel hope to vulnerable children. Well, hey there, Ginger. I'm so glad you were able to take time out of your extremely busy speaking schedule to share this topic with us today. But seriously, you have been burning up the road. I'm pretty sure that the gas shortage this past spring was all your fault. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Anyway, do you have any more conferences coming up or have you wrapped up for the season? Yeah, I just flew in from Colorado last night, which was my last event of the season. And I actually went out with a bang. I got to encourage parents in Denver at the Rocky Mountain Homeschool Conference. Um, And it it has been a crazy, busy travel season. Um, It has been an absolute blast. But I tell you, I am so glad to be home for a while with nowhere to go except the beach in August. Yes, looking forward to that. It's it's really been a challenge to keep up with our podcast uh, with so much travel. And I know, Katie, it's been hard for you too with you guys moving from Alabama to Georgia that you've had the same challenges that I have, but we've made it work. Yes, we have. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about teaching kids in the context of the moment. Here's the thing. Our kids are going to learn from God's Word as far as general teachings when they're in church and Sunday school and any other type Bible study or small group that they might be involved in, and that's great. But we don't want that to be it. When teaching them for the purpose of training them, we don't want to just teach them what the Bible says. We want to teach them what the Bible says about the particular struggles they're having. We want to teach them what the Bible says about the problems and the concerns that they're facing. Because teaching that applies at the moment and to the situation That is teaching that will truly benefit the child. The greatest benefits come when teaching is done as you go or in the context of the moment. 
This is something I struggled with for many years before I discovered your wise words for mom's chart, because I found it difficult in the moment to know how to apply God's word to that particular situation. So, you know, when child A puts a spicy pretzel in child B sandwich when they aren't looking, you know, what Bible verses do I apply to that particular situation? That's a tough one. Mm, So I'm really excited that you're sharing this with our listeners and me, because the best thing about this podcast is that I'm reminded when we record when I edit and when I review the episodes. And honestly, I need to hear each of these episodes about that many times for them to sink in. (laughs) Let's just say I'm not a very quick study when it comes to this kind of stuff. So Ginger, I'm curious to know how it benefits us and our kids to teach God's word in the context of our everyday life. Well, there are four benefits for teaching in the context of the moment, and they are children learn to become a doer of the word of God rather than just a hearer. They comprehend better when they learn in a hands-on situation. They learn how to apply God's Word to daily life, and they become better equipped to obey God. Well, Ginger, we've heard from many of our listeners that it's really helpful when we give real-life examples. So can you give us a few examples of how we can teach the application of Scripture in the context of the moment with our kids? I mean, I already know all of this, but will you just share it for everyone else's sake, please? (laughs) Sure. Well, when Derek is aggravating his sibling, we might say something like, sweetie, did you know that one of the seven things God hates is one who stirs up trouble with his brothers? That's Proverbs 6, 19. That's a pretty powerful verse for Mm -hmm. that. And so we could say something like, you know, stirring up trouble is foolish, honey, but when you promote peace, you are wise. Proverbs 12, 20 says, God gives joy joy to those who promote peace. Derek, do you want to be foolish or wise? You see, this is applying God's word in the context of the moment. I can actually speak from experience here that the question, do you want to be foolish or wise, is a really impactful question. Uh, It's truly heart probing. So when I ask my kids this question, one of them always asks, do you think I'm foolish? And My answer is, well, I think even wise people can act foolishly at Mm -hmm. times. And then I share about sanctification and how the Holy Spirit helps us become more like Christ every day. Uh, But no child or adult, for that matter, wants to think of themselves as a fool. I think that's why it's important for us not to dumb down God's Word or to minimize sin. Ginger, you and I both think it's important to use biblical terms when we talk to our children. So we say kind instead of nice or foolish instead of silly. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we're also careful not to label our children. We don't want to say, you know, God hates people who stir up trouble. So do you think God hates you right now? I mean, I just don't think that's a good idea. (laughs) I know that seems obvious, but I also know that we've all said some pretty dumb things to our kids in the heat of the moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't think of any examples to share right now because I have a really good way of blocking that kind of stuff out. (laughs) Forgetting. (laughs) All right. So here's another example. When Susie responds in anger and yells at her little friend that she's playing with, uh, we can take that opportunity to teach her about Proverbs 15.1. And that verse says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So we might say, sweetheart, can you try that again? And this time use a gentle tone of voice. Okay. That's the part I often forget to do, but it's really important. If we don't instruct our kids on how to say it the correct way and then give them the opportunity to practice it, we have not given a full biblical reproof. Mm -hmm. So if we don't teach them what to put on, then it's likely they'll fall right back into the habit of what comes naturally. And we all know that Susie 
came out of the womb yelling and screaming. Let's just be honest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Once I had kids of my own, I realized I did not have to teach them how to be selfish. It makes me crazy when people judge other people's kids, especially on social media, and they'll say something like, well, they must have learned that behavior at home, as if sin is only a learned behavior. Mm-hmm. Newsflash, we're all sinners, and none of us had to learn it. We are naturally really good at it. So, okay, Ginger, give us another example of teaching a child in the moment. Um, what about a child who tattles? That seems to be something most kids do really well. Yep. So when Dylan is trying to get his sibling in trouble by tattling, it's so important that we not only teach him what is wrong with his behavior from a biblical perspective, but also what he can do to make it right. How he can, as Hebrews 10, 24 says, spur his brother on toward love and good deeds. When children behave sinfully, we want to use the Word of God for verbally training them in righteousness, and then we want to reinforce that training by having them put it into practice at that very moment. So we don't want to just tell the child who's trying to get his sibling in trouble that he should be spurring his brother on toward love and good deeds. We want to have him actually go back and do it. And so we might ask, Dylan, rather than coming and telling me that your brother is jumping on his bed, what could you have done to spur him on? And Dylan might say something like, well, I mean, I don't know, mom, I guess I could have told him that he's not supposed to jump on his bed and that I don't want him to get in trouble. Or he may come up with something like, uh, well, I guess I could have told him that uh, mom told us we're not supposed to jump on our bed because we might get hurt, so we better get down. Anything along those lines would be fine. But most important, we would want to have Dylan go back and say those words to his brother, even if we had to go back with him and have them reenact that whole scene. This way, Dylan is putting that training into practice, which is not only going to give him a better understanding of how it works, but is also going to equip him for future situations that are similar. Okay, so help me with this one, Ginger, because I have done exactly what you said, um, thanks to your book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, which I try to read every year. Mm -hmm. So I have the child tell me what they should have said rather than tattling. But what if the child says, well, I did that. I told him not to do it because you don't want us to, but he wouldn't listen. So what do we do in that situation? Mm, that's a very good question. And the ac- the answer to that question is actually found in the book of Matthew. First, uh, let me just back up here and say that the reason that we know tattling is wrong is because in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, it says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Mm-hmm. If they listen to you, you have won them over. So scripture tells us to try and work things out and rebuke the sinning person before involving someone else. So that's where we get that tattling is wrong. But like you said, Katie, what if the sinning sibling won't listen to his brother or sister? Well, the very next verse, verse 16 says, if they refuse to listen, then it's time to bring someone else in, which in this case would be the parent. Now, I do want to make one disclaimer here. And, and I've actually uh, have this as a side note on my Wise Words for Moms chart. Obviously, a child should be taught to go straight to the parent if another child is endangering himself or endangering someone else or destroying property. But you know what? God gives us the, that discernment as parents. We can totally tell the difference between a child who is coming to us out of genuine concern versus the child who's coming because they're getting this sick twisted kick out of seeing their sibling get into trouble. And that's a whole other issue for a whole other episode. 
Oh, I just love that I talked you into doing this podcast with me because I basically get all of my Ask Ginger questions answered. So, which reminds me, I do want to tell our listeners that we're going to do Ask Ginger questions the entire month of July. I'm really excited about that. Nothing but listener questions that you and I, but mostly you, answer for our listeners. It's going to be great. So if you have a parenting question, just go to gingerhubbard.com slash askginger. Yes, I'm really excited about that. Katie and I just talked about that last night and made that decision. And I am super excited about July because we have gotten so many questions from our listeners. And, you know, just trying to answer um, one here or there, that's just not cutting it. We, we really want to connect with our listeners. So we are going to try and answer as many questions as we possibly can during that whole month of July. So our setup's going to look, our format's going to look a little bit different in July, but I think it's going to be uh, really fantastic to be able to connect with you guys and answer some of those specific questions that you have. I don't know if you and your family have jumped on the monthly membership bandwagon, but my family really has. There are several that we get super excited about, but one of my kids' absolute favorites is called Dwell. Dwell is a monthly membership of scripture designs to help you and your family memorize one Bible verse every month. So we have what's called the Family and Friends membership, and it includes a four by five and a half print of the scripture verse, two key cards with the verse, and this is my favorite part, nine temporary tattoos. The designs are just beautiful, and I think this is a perfect Christmas or a birthday gift that doesn't include just more plastic stuff laying around the house. Actually, I have a funny story about my dwell tattoo. I was having dinner with my parents one night, and I had one on my wrist because we were learning John 8:36. Well, my dad saw it and asked if I had a new tattoo on my arm, and I was like, yeah, Dad, I've had this for almost 10 years. <laughs> and he said, well, I never noticed that before. <laughs> And then I had to confess that I lied to my dad about a fake scripture tattoo. So, you know, don't be like me. To learn more about this wonderful way to help you and your family hide God's word in your heart, go to dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10 to get 10% off your order. Again, that's dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10. One of our most hilarious church moments happened before COVID. You know, back when we were allowed to sit next to people. Well, my son had brought his favorite Lightning McQueen car with him that particular Sunday. We were sitting in the middle of our very large church, so literally thousands of people, when suddenly lightning hit the floor and he rolled and he rolled and he rolled all the way to the front of the church. And then some amazing person at the front, probably a dad, just picked up the car and without even looking back, he just passed it over his shoulder to the row behind him. And that person passed it back and back all the way until lightning was returned and my face was pretty much as red as that car. That story is one of the main reasons I'm so excited to share more about our sponsor, Not Consumed. Not Consumed is a family-owned ministry with dozens of products to help you and your family grow in faith. Their Bible studies for kids and families are amazing and so helpful. I love the one entitled My Brother's Keeper, but my favorite product is the Sermon Notebook. I just love that this is a way for our kids, as young as four years old even, to stay engaged with the sermon rather than distracting the entire church. To find out more about Not Consumed Ministries' incredible catalog of products and to download their free family Bible study, just visit notconsumed.com slash ginger. Again, that's notconsumed.com slash ginger.
The examples that we just talked about um, are just a few ways that we can teach our children in the context of the moment, whether they're struggling with aggravating one another or speaking harshly to one another or tattling. Teaching in the context of the moment, what that is, is it's it's teaching for the purpose of doing. It's teaching them how to apply God's Word to daily life, which is not only going to give them a better understanding of how it works, uh, but like we mentioned uh, earlier, it's also going to equip them for dealing with future situations that are similar. And we need to keep in mind that teaching in the context of the moment, that is something that we are going to have to do over and over and <laughs> over. In other words, we can't expect to teach our children how to apply a biblical principle principle and then just expect them to automatically have it. I mean, it's just like so many things, it takes practice. It's funny you should say that because I often find myself saying things like, didn't I just tell you that? Or did you not know that? Uh, But it's a good... It's good for me to remember that even I, perfect as I am sometimes, um, have to be reminded of the same sins over and over again. And God is so gracious and patient with me, and I'm grateful for how He gently leads me through His Word and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that's the kind of parent I want to be to my children. Mm, yeah. God gently convicts us over and over for the same sins, just like you're saying, Katie. He's so patient to do that with us. So we want to have that same sort of patience with our kids and be willing to go over these things as many times as it takes. And we have to remember that the more we practice something, the better we get at it. When I was a little girl, I put on a pair of roller skates and I stood up and of course I immediately fell. (laughs) After a while though, I could roll several feet before falling. And then Katie, by the time I was 12, after years and years of practice, I could actually skate with no more effort than it took for me to walk. Mm. Now skating does not come naturally, but through the discipline of practicing over and over and over, it actually became like second nature to me. And although this is a physical illustration, it definitely works the same spiritually. When we have our children exercise spiritual wisdom from God's Word over and over and over, it's going to become more like second nature to them. It's never enough to train our children in what not to do. We have to train them in what to do. And then we want to require them to physically practice what is right. In my books, I refer to this as the practice principle. I love how 1 John 2.29 says it. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Uh, But as you've said before, Ginger, we still need to require our children to practice righteousness even before they are led to do so by the Holy Spirit. I know you're going to address that later in the episode, but um, tell us more about this practice principle. Okay, so the practice principle is something we use, really, if you think about it, all the time in everyday life. I I mean, think about this. Can you imagine trying to teach your child how to tie his shoes without the practice principle? (laughs) No, just verbally walking him through that process, that's not going to be enough. At some point, we have to physically demonstrate to the child exactly how it's done and then require him to practice it by himself. Well, I mean, if the practice principle is vital for teaching such morally neutral and everyday task as tying shoes, how much more important is it for training children in Christ-like character? I mean, Katie, can you imagine just verbally explaining to your child how to tie his shoes, like, you know, what, three, four, five years old, and then just telling him to do it by himself? Say that he makes his first mistake and you yell, wrong, no TV for you tonight, (laughs) better luck next time. (laughs) I think we can all agree that that would be pretty unfair and Mm. cruel and unmerciful. 
Yet that is exactly how many Christian parents discipline their children today. For example, uh, a child might speak harshly to his parents and the parent says, that was disrespectful. No video games for you tonight. You see, the child is rebuked and given a consequence, and the parents think that they've done well because they identified exactly what it is the child was doing wrong. He was being disrespectful, and then they punished him for it. But the practice principle maintains the fact that we have not disciplined our children properly until we have required them to practice the biblical alternative to the sinful behavior. Mm -hmm. The practice principle involves correcting the child's wrong behavior by having him practice the right behavior until the right behavior becomes habitual. Mm. It is essential that the sin is identified, of course, and that they ask for forgiveness for being disrespectful. But it is also essential that they practice that biblical alternative. So after rebuking the child for being disrespectful and perhaps enforcing a consequences, have him go back to the scene of the crime and practice communicating the right way by using the appropriate words in the appropriate tone of voice. And for many children, particularly mine as they moved into their teen years, the appropriate facial expression. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Ginger, out of curiosity, do you think it's always necessary to enforce a consequence? Mm, I I really don't. Consequences certainly have their place, and they are definitely a small part of training children in wisdom, but it's way more about heart training than consequences. It's about Mm. training them in righteousness. There were many issues where I just had my kids go back and do it the right way, the whole put off and put on principle. But I will say this, that when my kids were little, there was always, without exception, a consequence for direct disobedience. Mm. Uh, They they need to learn the importance of obedience at a very young age. So direct disobedience, uh, that was always serious business in our home. Mm. But the main objective here is that we are using the scriptures for training our children. Now, the reason scripture is to be used is because 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We use the scriptures because, Katie, you mentioned this earlier, it's not our words, but God's word that will expose the wrong and convict the guilty and promote righteousness. Now, in order for our children to walk in righteousness, they first have to be convicted of their sins. They have to acknowledge and admit that they're guilty. God uses His Word in order to convict His children. So when our children sin, we want to use God's Word in order that they might be convicted. That's a really good point, Ginger, and I don't want our listeners to miss it. You said we should use His Word to convict our children, not our own Word, which can often be full of sarcasm or accusations or frustrations. That's right. Teaching our children in accordance with God's Word, God's law— What that does is it points them to the fact that they are sinners, just like we are, in need of God's mercy and forgiveness and grace. You know, parents with children who have not yet accepted Christ often adopt this viewpoint that since their children aren't yet Christians, that they can't obey God from the heart. So they feel, you know, that it's really not yet beneficial to train them using God's Word. After all, without the power of the Holy Spirit working— how can the child even come close to truly understanding and obeying God's commands? And really, why would he even desire to if he's not yet motivated as a Christian? Mm. Well, it is true that 
the law of God is not easy for the natural person. God's law is the highest standard. It's a holy standard, and it, it cannot be achieved apart from God's supernatural grace. But you see, that's just it. It's God's law from God's word that teaches us our need for his grace. Mm. So every time our children violate God's law, we have this great opportunity to point them to their need for Jesus. So when our children speak to us with a disrespectful tone, let's not just say you're acting ugly. Let's use God's word. Let's call it what God calls it. Let's tell them what God's word says about that particular behavior and what it can lead to if it's continued. Honey, you are being disrespectful and dishonoring me. It will not go well with you if you dishonor me like that. Now try that again in a way that does honor. I just love how you say it will not go well with you. It just it sounds like a threat, but it is straight from God's word. It is. It is. Those words actually come from Deuteronomy 5:16. But notice how I spoke what God's word says without acting like I'm standing behind the podium preaching to the congregation. Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7 tells us that God's commands are to be upon our lips and that we're to teach them to our children by talking about them all day, every day, and all the time. So that means that we are to know the Word of God and speak the Word of God so often in the presence of our children that it's done in a a very comfortable and conversational manner. It's not a formal or strict or, or legalistic way of teaching. It's a way of life that is to constantly be on our hearts and our minds and our tongues. So we want to use God's Word to teach them from our hearts. And that's the important thing here, Ginger. Um, we have to hide God's Word in our hearts in order to be able to do that. I've incorporated Scripture memory into our homeschool day as much for my sake as for our kids, but I'm also thankful for your wise words for Mom's chart because my memory just isn't the best. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes is from John Newton, and it says this, Although my memory's fading, I remember two things very clearly. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. And I love that so mm -hmm. much, mm -hmm. probably because my memory is so awful um, but I actually think it's because I had a wrench dropped on my head from about 20 feet above me when I was a senior in high school. <laughs> oh, I'm, not no. even, I'm not even kidding. Didn't even break the skin, though. Oh, uh, my goodness. Yeah, I know. It cracked your skull. Good I know. Grief. I'm That's not convinced scary. it didn't do permanent damage. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Anyway. Some, of, some of your T-shirt ideas, I, I think, I know, uh, right? yeah, it's questionable. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. This is one of my favorite parts of the show because it reminds us that parenting isn't meant to be done alone. If the coronavirus has taught us anything, it's that we're not meant to live in isolation. Today's quick tip is courtesy of Ginger. You know, Katie, I'm actually a little hesitant <laughs> to share my quick tip today because I don't think my last quick tip when I encouraged all the husbands to get their wives onion goggles for Mother's Day, I don't think that went over so well. <laughs> I think for every husband who actually got their wife a pair of onion goggles, there was a wife who unsubscribed to the podcast. I know, I know. <laughs> so I may not be the best person to offer quick tips, but... You guys haven't stepped up to the plate with a quick tips yet. And so I'm pretty much all you've got. <laughs> Tons of you guys are submitting parenting questions. I mean, we just we we have received so many parenting questions. We have enough of those to keep us going until we're old and gray. Mm -hmm. But no one, not one of you has submitted one single quick tip for us to share on the podcast. So until you do, you're just pretty much stuck with me. <laughs> so here it goes. You ready for it? Mm-hmm. Vaseline on your feet. Someone, anyone, please send us some quick tips. <laughs> no, I'm 
I'm serious. All right. No, no, no. Listen, just hear me out. Just hear me out. This is really a good one. It's really good. Okay. So my heels used to crack so badly that, I mean, it literally hurt to walk. I mean, I'm talking they cracked so bad to the point that they would even bleed sometimes, especially during the, really bad during the cold months. And I tried all the foot creams, all the scrubs, all the anointments. I mean, I put some money into some pretty high dollar products, but all to no avail. Nothing worked. And then my daddy told me to try Vaseline. My daddy, he is so hilarious. He has always thought that the cure-all for most any skin ailment is Vaseline. He puts it on everything. And he's like that He's like that dad in my big fat Greek wedding that put Windex on everything. <laughs> I was just thinking that, literally. <laughs> yep. So that's my dad, except with Vaseline. Uh, well, guess what? It works. Seriously? I, put, I still use it. I put it on every morning after I shower and every night before I go to bed. And I uh. wear socks to keep from leaving greasy heel prints all over everything. <laughs> and let me tell you, voila. I mean, no more cracked heel. My heels are so smooth. I'm telling you, mm. Vaseline on your feet. It's the bomb. You're okay. welcome. Okay. So before I make fun of you for walking around your house with greasy feet and onion goggles, <laughs> I do have to say... That Vaseline is an awesome product, and they're not paying us to say this, by the way. And I'm not even sure how I'd feel about it if they were after I tell you what I'm going to tell you. Mm-hmm. When we went skiing in Colorado a few years ago, I was waking up every morning with nosebleeds because the air was so dry. And I never get nosebleeds, but every morning I was having one. Um, someone, probably my father-in-law, that must be like a dad thing. They all, <laughs> they all keep Vaseline on hand. Uh, my father-in-law recommended that I put some Vaseline on a Q-tip and coat the inside of my nose mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. Okay. And so after I finished patting myself on the back for how cool I had become, I gave it a try. And I have to say, I have used it every winter since to keep my nose from bleeding in the dry air. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, Vaseline, it, where it's mm-hmm. at. Okay. So if you have a quick tip for the show, we would love to hear from you. Please, I'm begging you. We really need to hear from you. Because so far, Ginger and I have come up with onion goggles and Vaseline. Mm. So, I mean, it can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for a fun date night with your spouse, anything at all. Uh, We'd love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. Um, As a side note, Ginger, this quick tip thing was your idea and I don't think either of us knew how hard it would be to come up with ideas I know. that don't make us sound like complete dweebs. I mean, I know, right? <laughs> oh, well, I know. That was the whole thing. I was hoping our listeners would write in with, you know, all these great quick tips that you and mm-hmm. I could use. I mean, I was looking forward to all these great tips. I totally thought this would be the section of the show where we get to benefit from all the great ideas of our listeners. But apparently, either they don't have any great ideas or they're just so, no, Katie, here it is. They're so enamored and impressed with mine that they just want me to keep them coming. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. And Ginger, I don't think you need any more tips in life. Than, than onion goggles and Vaseline. I think what, you're set. You're what, all else, good. what else would anyone need? What could be better I mean, than we're set? <laughs> okay, listeners, please. Ginger, can you leave us with a final word of encouragement? Sure. As we mentioned earlier, we want our children to be doers of the Word of God, not just hearers. When our children are struggling, let's slow down and take those opportunities to teach them how to apply God's Word to those struggles. And let's ask Jesus to help us do that. Let's take time to teach our children in the context of the moment so that they are constantly and consistently learning how to apply God's wisdom to their everyday lives. Thank you so much, Ginger. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. 
If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever it is you're listening. And while you're there, could you leave us a rating or a review? This is just a huge help to us to get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. While you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering her parenting book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, Biblical Wisdom for Taming Your Child's Tongue at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. Once upon a time, there was a homeschooling mom named Shoparella who had a problem. She loved buying shiny new books, all the books, and she especially loved buying new curricula for her mice. This isn't a perfect analogy, but just hang with me. Unfortunately, she sometimes spent money on books and curricula that just didn't fit. Kind of like trying to shove a glass slipper on her stepsister's janky feet. But what Shoparella really needed was a team of fairy curriculum consultants named Janice, Deanne, Sarah, Gina, Ruth, and Judy. Yes, these are their real names. To help her make good curriculum choices. Thankfully, Shoparella found Rainbow Resource Center. Rainbow Resource Center is a family-owned business serving the homeschool community since 1989. Basically, they've been around since uh, Shoparella was very, very young. Even if you don't homeschool, Rainbow Resource Center is a wonderful place to get educational gifts for kids of all ages. You can sort their huge catalog of resources by grade and by subject to get the best educational products for your family. But hurry, because on the stroke of 12, everything will be as it was before meaning you can get their great prices all day, every day at rainbowresource.com. Again, that's rainbowresource.com and get free shipping on orders over $50 and live happily ever after the delivery truck arrives.